Hey comrades, thanks for downloading A Green Way Forward. You're listening to my voice, that being Michael O'Neill, instead of David Cobb's usual introduction, because we had some problems with the live audio for this episode that we eventually worked out, but it cut off David's opening monologue. So I'm going to connect you to David sort of in progress, and I want to thank you for downloading and or listening to this episode of A Green Way Forward, and also feel free to check us out when we broadcast live from Dr. Jill Stein's official Facebook page on Monday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, and the barber shops all across the country. So a mass movement and an electoral arm. That is people running for office on the principles and values and policies of those social movements. Now, I and Michael O'Neill are members of the Green Party. We believe that it's most likely that the Green Party will be and is poised to be that electoral arm. However, we know that there are many progressives, some who watch this program or listen to us on the podcast, who are attempting to take over the Democratic Party and make the Democratic Party the instrument uh, for their progressive values. And so as we have just seen a disastrous 2016 election uh, that put uh, Donald Trump uh, into the White House because the neoliberal Democratic Party leadership uh, basically stole the primary process from Bernie Sanders and installed neoliberal uh, Hillary Clinton uh, as the Democratic Party nominee, we thought it'd be good to ask, as we head into the 2018 elections, have has the Democratic Party leadership learned anything? And with apologies and our hat tip to the banned war, absolutely nothing. Uh, and to demonstrate that, let's go to New York State, where Michael O'Neill uh, actually lives and works and plays, to specifically talk about the fact that Democratic National Committee Chairman Tom Perez, you remember Tom Perez, the neoliberal installed to beat back uh, Ellison, who was about to be become the Democratic National Committee Chairperson uh, out of the Bernie Sanders wing, uh, the 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 leadership rallied around uh, Perez uh, and got him to run. Two months ago, Tom Perez specifically said, and I'm going to be quote, the National Party should not be anointing candidates, end quote. Uh, And already just uh, uh, last week, Tom Perez has endorsed neoliberal darling Andrew Cuomo over progressive activist and actress Cynthia Nixon. This uh, effort to once again uh, install neoliberals uh, and and, and force them to win the the primary is something that I know is reverberating all across the country. For example, Ezra Levin, who is the co-founder and co-executive director of Indivisible, uh, was furious and said, quote, regardless of who you support in this race, can we please agree that the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, should not pick winners in a contentious primary in a safely, safely democratic state? Don't be scared of democracy, he said. Let the voters decide. Michael O'Neill, uh, any thoughts on either uh, Ezra Levin's comment or what you're seeing in New York? Well, it's not a surprise. I mean, I think we're giving the Democratic Party too much credit to 
to pretend that this is a bug and not a feature of how their party is supposed to work. And of like the Democratic Party is a coalition of fundraising entrepreneurial candidates that that isn't the exception to the rule that is the rule that is the fundamental structure of the party and so when a, a candidate like uh, governor cuomo who has proven to be able to raise a lot of big money donations through his corporate contracts and through his corrupt cronyism and his time as governor is challenged by someone that is a that is a threat to the operating principle of the democratic party and and that's why i'm not interested in in you know running you know other wealthy people against andrew cuomo i want to smash the democratic party and andrew cuomo and the entire pay-to-play system that that party represents in new york state and across the country so it's interesting, Michael, I really want to underscore and agree with your observation that the problem is that the entire apparatus of the Democratic Party is actually designed to not only placate, but it's owned and operated by the donor class. And it's not that the Democratic Party leadership uh, are scared that progressives might uh might win at the primary level. It's even deeper than that. They they know that progressives would in fact win at the primary level if they allowed it, and they might even go on to beat Republicans in the general election. But that's not the point. The point is the Democratic Party leadership knows that their donor class, the corporatist, militarist, imperialist who are who actually have taken over the Democratic Party, will stop donating, and that's what they're afraid of. You know, so. I think it's important that we recognize that uh, it's not just New York, which is a safely Democratic Party state where we're seeing this, but we're seeing this in Texas as well. And as many of you will remember or know, I am original. I am uh, a native Texan. I, uh, I'm proud to be a Texan, uh, but I live in California now. I still watch and follow Democratic Party, uh, uh, or I should say Texas politics closely, and there was a really interesting race in a, a congressional district in Texas in the primary that just happened. You had a maverick, young, working class, uh, out-avowed socialist, a, a member of Democratic Socialists of America, actually step forward and run against uh, or run for an open seat. Uh, and he got basically undermined, smashed uh, by the Democratic Party. Let's play the clip from Rick Trevino being interviewed on the Young Turks uh, and come back and talk about it. Michael, would you roll that clip, please? All right, now joining us, uh, Rick Trevino. He ran uh, for Congress in Texas 23rd District. Uh, dramatic come from behind victory in the first round. Uh, not victory, really, but to get into the runoff, it came in second. Uh, and now uh, the runoff was tonight, and and Rick, uh, we we didn't have the outcome we were looking for. Uh, so talk to me about uh, what you learned from this race. Well, I learned a lot. Uh, I learned that uh, in a working class community, uh, that people really embrace these ideas of Bernie Sanders. Now the outcome wasn't the outcome I wanted this evening, uh, but. You know, I got close to 8,000 people, at least what it looks like at the moment, that voted for a Democratic Socialist, someone that isn't really a Democrat, 
you know, uh, someone that's really just a working class person and trying to organize people around class. And this district has been des- been described as conservative for a long time. Uh, it's been described conservative because the DCCC, the Democratic Party, uses that as an excuse to send these centrist moderate candidates to the, the district. Um, in this race also, I learned that the Democratic Party isn't a friend to the progressive movement. Uh, they decided to jump into this race very early. Uh, they sided with my opponent, Gina Ortiz-Jones, before the runoff ballots were cast, giving her many resources. Um, so this isn't a fair game. Uh, everybody out there that's watching us understand that right now the Democratic Party really doesn't want to regain power on these issues. They would rather regain power through the hashtag resistance movement, uh, the path of least resistance, and it will allow them to get into power without promising any real policy proposals. And uh, we just have to be very vigilant about that and continue to persevere um, and uh, keep our heads our heads high. Um, I think there's a real potential for these politics to continue to captivate the imagination of working families. Uh, so I really do think that I accomplished a lot. I beat a candidate that raised half a million dollars. I did it with a little bit of money. I did it with a lot of hard work. I never sold out. And uh, I was willing to, like Keith Ellison said, strike out on these issues. So, you know, I, I, on the one hand, Michael, and viewers of A Green Way Forward, I can really uh, empathize and genuinely sympathize with Rick Trevino. He's describing a process where uh, the, the rules are against him. They are unfair. They are applied in an unfair manner. Uh, he is undermined by the people who were supposed to be administering the election. Uh, and I genuinely uh, believe that he was treated unfairly. And it's, and so this is not an I told you so moment, but I also want to point out I've been a Green Party activist uh, and organizer since 2000. For, so for 16 years, every election that I've participated in, I've had that same experience. The reality is that the system is not designed to allow a democratic discussion, discourse, and election. The system is designed to allow the wealthy and the powerful to control the process, to control the politics, to control the candidates, to control the issues that are discussed, and what is considered acceptable uh, within the political uh, discourse. So on the one hand, Rick Trevino, thank you for running, and I mean that sincerely. And as somebody who supports a red-green alliance, thank you for running uh, on and as a member of Democratic Socialist of America and talking about democratic socialism and the entire idea of economic democracy. And I hope Rick Trevino does not give up. I hope he stays in the struggle, not only the movement, but also electoral politics. And I say to Rick Trevino and to all progressives who are still working within the Democratic Party, when you join the Green Party, and you will, 
I promise not to say I told you so. I promise to welcome you into this party uh, and to say, let's go about the work of base building. Let's build from the bottom up. Let's build a grassroots party that is genuinely independent of the corporatist and the militarist. And by independent, I don't just mean of a different party label. I mean independent of the funding sources of Wall Street America and big banks. I mean independent of the think tanks that are attempting to tell us what is possible or not. The reality is that every systemic transformational change that we've seen in this country has actually happened because ordinary people did things that they did not think were possible and that they were told was impossible. And in case you think that it's only in Cal uh, only in uh, New York or Texas, let's now go to California and remind people that the current chair of the Democratic Party of California, arguably the most important Democratic Party state in the union, the most reliably democratic, the one with the most electoral college votes, the one with the most congressional districts, the one with the most safe Democratic Party seats in any uh, state in the union by far, literally a pharmaceutical corporate lobbyist is the chair of the Democratic Party of California. That's right. Eric Bauman was challenged by yet another Bernie Krat who lost uh, and lost because, believe it or not, they cheated. Uh, that is to say, the, the Democratic Party loyalists cheated the process. Eric Bauman, who is literally a, a, a pharmaceutical corporate uh, lobbyist, and it gets even better, actually uh, spent money and did a massive campaign to to cost the election of or the the uh, switch the vote totals for a proposition that would have allowed Californians uh, to be able to access uh, drugs from Canada and Mexico. All I'm saying is, folks, that this is happening at both the policy level, it's happening at the party operational level, and it's happening even at the congressional level. Because I now want to shift gears and talk about a recent election uh, where we actually saw the uh, 13 Democrats, including members of the Progressive Caucus, actually gut, and I mean completely gut, uh, uh, whatever measly regulations we had in the banking industry. Uh, this is after only less than a decade after Wall Street genuinely triggered a financial crisis that caused millions of Americans to lose both our jobs and our homes. Uh, Senate Bill one, uh, 2155 uh, was pushed forward uh, as a, a basically uh, a, um, an effort to deregulate uh, the, the very few regulations that were imposed immediately after uh, the the Wall Street collapse. This bill, or now law, is, uh, as soon as Trump signs it, is going to deregulate 25 of the 38 largest banks in America. It will weaken the capital requirements that are forcing banks to pay for their own mistakes. It will free lenders from disclosing data used to detect lending discrimination and basically hamstring the ability of the Federal Reserve to apply any special regulations to the biggest banks. Uh, they've 
already begun, we already see the reconsolidation of the, of the banking sector. Uh, community banks uh, are being scooped up by the larger banks. When you consider all of the things uh, that are happening now, we're literally seeing the conditions recreated uh, to have yet another financial credit crisis. Oh, and by the way, all while the super wealthy and elite are getting richer and richer, they are now being encouraged to engage in the kind of hyper speculative casino capitalism that we've seen. So, you know, this is just another example. And I think it's important that we actually name some names. Uh, Senate Democrats like John Tester and Heidi Hotkamp uh, co-authored and co-sponsored and stepped forward as the public faces of this bill. Why? Because of Senate filibuster rules. Uh, they know that this bill would have died without Senate Democratic Party support. So they were willing to step forward uh, and be willing uh, to champion this bill. Oh, and by the way, Tester, Heitkamp, and Donnelly saw campaign donations from the financial industry of $470,000 just since 2017. Dick, uh, Chuck Schumer of New York, uh, who represents Wall Street, also gave his blessing uh, uh, to this bill. So the point is, is yet again, it's not just the party apparatchik who are kowtowing to donors. It's the elected officials themselves. And when the chips are down, Wall Street America literally owns the Democratic Party. Uh, and I know that that is a difficult and a challenging thing for some folks to come to terms with, but it is how I see it. And that's why here on A Green Way Forward, we really do call it like we see it. And if you'd like to make sure to know uh, about upcoming shows, if you'd like to get involved, I want to encourage you right now to go to the website, agreenwayforward.org, and sign up so you'll know when we have guests, like we had uh, Tim Canova on last week. Next week, we'll have Hillary Kane of the Green Party of the United States Coordinated Campaign Committee. Sometimes we just have uh, open lines like this, and I will encourage folks, if you have been, if there's anything that you specifically want to talk about, please feel free to write in the comment section if you're watching live. And if you're listening on the podcast, remember that uh, the podcast is not only available for download, but we also have this program live on Facebook and we're exploring other platforms as well. So again, I want to encourage anybody who is participating live now, if there's anything that you'd like to talk about, please feel free to actually write in and engage the conversation. And as if that's not uh, enough, uh, I actually uh, want to remind uh, folks that the <clears throat> there were 131 House Democrats who just helped pass the Republican budget that includes a massive, massive billions to expend the nuclear arsenal. Uh, Barbara Lee, yes, a Democrat, but a genuine uh, progressive Democrat said, quote, Instead of a blueprint for peace and security, this budget continues the practice of endless war with no input or oversight from our congressional leaders. Uh, we're talking about a $717 billion Pentagon spending bill that includes, as I said, a massive expansion of the nuclear arsenal. 
This is the National Defense Authorization Act for 2019, and it authorizes the development of new low-yield submarine-launched nuclear warheads. Uh, it includes uh, uh, things that uh, peace activists are calling radical and extreme. The point I'm making is that anti-war activists are once again being taken for granted by the Democratic Party. And in electoral politics, I often say, if you get taken for granted, you've just been taken. And I believe that the anti-war effort and women's issues, uh, civil rights issues, environmentalist, there's not a single constituency within the Democratic Party that is not ultimately taken for granted by the Democratic Party leadership who are literally playing a shell game with you. Now, uh, I want to say that, uh, let's turn to the comments. Wilton writes in to say, anyone who plays the evil of two lessers game gives away any power they might have had and further empowers the oligarchy. So, you know, Michael, I've heard you say something uh, uh, in that, on that topic. So I'd ask you to see if you've got any thoughts on Wilton's comment. Well, I've, I think Wilton is right on point, and I think this nuclear uh, issue highlights it because this uh, bill that was just voted on, it's an extension of the nuclear so-called modernization policies enacted by the Obama administration. This expansion of, and well, you know, creating new nuclear arms and new types of nukes, that was begun under Obama. And the problem is when they build a nuclear missile, that's a missile that's intended to stick around for decades for, you know, like, you know, three or four decades, if not more. And so I was at a, I had the privilege of, of uh, working at an event in, in New York city of a couple weeks ago that was around this issue of, of, you know, the kind of nuclear threats that, that are being posed. And there were a lot of great speakers there, but there was a speaker in particular from uh, peace action, New York, who gave a little bit of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, um, mention regarding the important congressional races happening right now. And she was obviously broadcasting, and what everyone in that room was receiving was that everybody needs to vote Democrat for Congress to stop this horrible Donald Trump Republican wave of nuclear Armageddon that's heading our way. But, you know, the other speakers in the room were much better about highlighting that, uh, you know, under Obama, you know, we, we saw reinvestment into nuclear weapons as opposed to into the Green New Deal that we need to stop catastrophic climate change. Barack Obama literally invested into potential catastrophe instead of averting climate catastrophe. And that's what Democrats and Republicans under Donald Trump are doing with this bill as well. You know, I think that's right, Michael. And look, it gives me no pleasure to say it, but I think it's important, folks, that if we are actually going to transition into a peaceful, just, democratic, and ecologically sustainable world, you're going to have to come to terms with the fact that the construct of white supremacy, the reality of U.S. imperialism, the reality of a capitalist economic system that is intent on commodifying everything and is literally going to destroy the planet. These things are happening, whether it is a Democratic or Republican administration in the White House, whether the Democrats or Republicans actually control uh, the, the Congress, either at the House or the Senate level. And frankly, folks, it's happening at the state legislative level because in California, 
the again, the most reliably Democratic Party state, I always like to point to the reality of the Democratic political football of single-payer health care as an example. Here's the point I'm making there. When there was a Republican governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and the Democratic the Democrats controlled both the House and the, the, the State Assembly and the State Senate, they three times passed a single-payer bill in, in uh, each time to put it in front of Schwarzenegger to force Schwarzenegger to veto it so they could talk about how Donald, uh, how Arnold Schwarzenegger did not care about the suffering of ordinary folk uh, and that the Republican Party was responsible for killing single payer. Now that there is a Democrat in the governor's mansion, Jerry Brown, the Democratic Party who still controls both the state house and the state senate have refused to push Senate Bill 562, this basically the same exact bill uh, that would have created a single-payer system for the state of California. And the open secret in Sacramento, our state capital, is that Governor Brown told Anthony Rendon, the Democrat who controls uh, the assembly process, do not let this bill get to my desk because he knows how popular it is. He knows that it has over 75% support of the rank and file Democrats. He knows what would happen. And so he has been willing to actually shelve the bill, keep it locked up, and it's never even gotten into committee. It's in the, the pro, it never was able to actually get a hearing. So as far as I'm concerned, I think it's time that we come to terms with the fact that the Democratic Party leadership are part of the problem. And I'm going to thank Margaret uh, Kimberly, who say dump the Democrats. It's a must. Because here's the point I want to make, Margaret, and I try to make it all the time. I recognize that the leadership of the Democratic Party are part of the shell game. They are manipulating and lying to us. I also know that there are good people working within the Democratic Party that I'm trying to win over. This entire broadcast is an effort for the last 30 minutes to give honest, objective analysis or information and then analyze that information and ask ourselves, what is the way forward? Now, if folks believe that you can somehow take over the Democratic Party, then my question is, what are you going to do about the donor class? What are you going to do about corporate media? What are you going to do about the entirely rigged system? Because here's the point I want to make, friends. As difficult as it is to build an alternative political party, and believe me, I know it's difficult. It's arguably one of the hardest things that you can do in electoral politics in this country. As hard as that is, I believe it's more likely to succeed than is to try to, quote, take over the Democratic Party operation. Because even if you take over the Democratic Party operation, the donor class still controls who the nominee is going to be. Uh, we've seen it time and time again. You take over the, 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 the central committees uh, at, at various parties and the Democratic Party leadership of the state level undermines you. You take over the state party and the donor class prevents you from being able to actually nominate the candidates that you want because they flood in uh, their primary process and they change the rules constantly. So from my way of thinking, it would be 
uh, better to actually build the party that we want on the principles and values that we want. Uh, and that is more likely to succeed. I'm going to conclude this uh, broadcast uh, with the, an observation from Eugene Debs, who famously said, you know, I'd rather vote for what I want and not get it than keep voting for what I don't want and getting it. Because that's what I think that we're experiencing if you you stay tapped in the lesser evilism if you stay trapped within the Democratic Party. They will play a shell game with you. You'll never actually get what you want. So again, I'm going to invite people, if you are ready to dim exit and green enter, please go to the website www.gp.org and find your local state uh, or find your state Green Party, ideally find your local county or even city uh, Green Party, and get involved because we're just ordinary people who are coming together to try to build the political party that we need to actually survive in-stage capitalism and the climate crisis that is getting so real that it's hard for anybody to even ignore it. I do want to encourage you to tune in next week when our guest will be Hillary Kane of the Green Party of the United States Coordinated Campaign Committee. And as always, I want to thank Michael O'Neill, executive producer, for all the work he does both on this program as well as uh, his work in the Green Party of New York State as both a staffer and the campaign manager for Howie Hawkins, who's the gubernatorial candidate there. And most importantly, I want to thank you, the viewer, listener. Remember, this audience is growing because you are sharing it on Facebook. You are putting it on your own social media and Instagram. You're sharing these podcasts. Keep doing this. Keep going to agreenwayforward.org and sign up so we can be in touch with you. And keep on keeping on. Peace.